0: I'd say the first time I jumped in the boat with Saskia, it was 18 months out from, from the London Olympic Games. So it was really quite late, actually, in terms of that whole Olympic cycle and, and trying, to, trying to get there. So we knew we were late and I, I was inexperienced. I'd never been to a Games before and Saskia had been to the Beijing Olympics. And so for me, it was this huge opportunity to sail with her. And I remember we, we were sailing out of Parma, um, Mallorca. And we went out and it was quite windy and quite big waves. And you get out of the marina and the kind of waves are breaking almost as you go out. So it's quite sketchy to get out. (laughs) And I just got washed out of the boat by a wave. This was literally the first time we'd sailed together. I just got washed out of the boat. And I remember just watching Sass like dart from side to side trying to keep this boat upright and stop sort of anything further happening because you know if, if we capsized the boat flipped over you can end up washed up on the beach and all sorts so yeah and i just remember watching her going wow she's amazing <laughs> and i just <laughs> she's never gonna want to get back in the boat with me again
1: this is the medal set Hi, this is Dawn, an ultra cyclist and sports PR specialist. And I'm Ofshan, an endurance athlete and journalist. And we're on a quest to bring you stories of tenacity, courage, and metal From athletes in the Middle East and beyond. Today's guest is the most successful female sailor in Olympic history, Hannah Mills. Among Hannah's many accolades are a silver in the 2012 London Olympics, a gold in the 2016 Rio Olympics, and another gold in the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. That's certainly not where it started or ended for Hannah with multiple gold, silver, and bronze medals to her name from the World Championships, World Junior Championships, European Championships, and European Junior Championships. But as you just heard in our intro clip, it wasn't all smooth sailing. In this episode, we chat through Hannah's start in sport, her early ambitions sparked by watching the Olympics as a child, and how they were both realized with her gold medal win in 2016, and how it also led to a full circle moment with her newest endeavor as a strategist with Team Emirates Great Britain in the relatively new and undoubtedly riveting Sail GP also known as the world's most exciting racing on water. Hannah educates us on this amazing new sport format and its focus on both equality and sustainability, a particular passion point for Hannah, who thanks to her work in this space, has been recognized by the International Olympic Committee as a sustainability ambassador. Thanks to her accomplishments both on and off the water and among many other honors, Hannah was also appointed member of the Order of the British Empire in 2017 for her services to sailing. And in 2021, she won the Rolex World Sailor of the Year Award and was appointed Order of the British Empire for her continued services to both sailing and the environment. We've packed a lot of information into the show notes for this episode, including more info on all of Hannah's sustainability initiatives, including the big plastic pledge and how she's fused purpose with athletic performance with high impact athletes. We've also included a lot of information on GP, including key dates for its UAE stopovers in December and January, where to watch online if you're not in the Emirates, and all of the great work this league does to promote equity in sport and protect the environment. We are going to be in attendance for the Dubai date and we cannot wait. Thank you again for listening and don't forget to follow us, like, review, and share with your friends. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Hannah. Welcome to the podcast. We know you have a very busy schedule, so we're really excited to speak with you today.
0: Thank you. It's great to be here, guys. Yeah.
1: First of all, we wanted to start off and say congratulations on the birth of
0: Sienna, right? Yes. yes. I love that name. So she's like a year yeah. old. Is that correct? Yeah, she's just turned one a couple of weeks ago, which seems crazy. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Crazy. Yeah. Has she been traveling with you to events? She has. Yeah. Oh,
1: that's
0: it to Almost every event. She's missed a couple, but
1: um, yeah. Oh, amazing.
2: Amazing. Getting into it early, huh?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we want to obviously dive into all things sailing, your personal story and how you got started into it. And of course, GP, for which you will be coming down to the Emirates as well. But first tell us, in one word, how would you describe GP? Adrenaline. yeah adrenaline for sure and for those of our listeners who don't know a lot about sail gp what is it exactly
0: okay so sail gp is a global sports sailing league which has nation against nation we've got 10 teams on the water at the moment from nations all over the globe and the racing is over a weekend we have five full races where everyone races each other three Saturday, two Sunday, and then the top three overall go into a winner-takes-all shootout on the Sunday, uh, so a finale. And the races are 10 to 14 minutes long. The courses are really short and the boats are going like, anywhere between 50 and 100 kilometers an hour at any one point the boats fly out the water on on what's called foils which means they go really fast and yeah it's just action-packed honestly if you can get down there definitely come and check it out it's it's amazing
1: looking forward to it we're totally gonna go check it out so i was having dinner with my cousin i'm in canada right now and i was having dinner with my cousin last night and his family and i was mentioning that we were interviewing you he's like oh sail gp that's so cool and that's this seems to be the sentiment of anyone I speak to when we mentioned GP. so we're really excited to go check it out because you're coming to Dubai and Abu Dhabi a month later
0: yeah, as well. I, do. Yeah, I
1: can't wait. Yeah. So you're originally from Wales, or you are born in Wales, and I'm from the other side of the North Atlantic. I'm from Newfoundland, so grew up on the water. But For me personally, we were never really encouraged to take up water sports. I think we had a healthy respect for the ocean, but kind of viewed it as, you know, a livelihood, but also something that can be quite dangerous. So excuse me, a lot of people actually can't swim. or We don't grow up with that kind of activity based water sports. But for you, did you get started like very, very early Is sailing part of your family? How did you start your journey into sports and sailing?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I loved all sports, like from the age of zero, I think I wanted to do sports. Mm-hmm. I had two older brothers who actually weren't that sporty, but definitely two older brothers, the younger sister, there was a lot of competitiveness from my side anyway, not anything <laughs> from them at all. And I wanted to be a tennis player initially at the age of four. That's what I got for my birthday. Uh, I was a tennis lesson. That's all I wanted. And I did swimming. I did so many different sports and my family weren't sailors at all, but. My brothers went on a sailing holiday or a sailing course, sorry, when we were on holiday down the southwest coast of, of the UK in Cornwall. And you had to be eight, and I was seven, so I couldn't go. And <laughs> oh. the sort of competitor in me, I think, was just like, what? Why not me? So anyway, I, I eventually got my go the year later and just fell in love with the freedom and independence and just, yeah, that feeling of being on a boat, totally in control of it at the age of eight was just like mind-blowingly cool. So we went back to Cardiff where I grew up in Wales, and um, I just begged mum and dad to let me carry on. And we found this amazing sort of local community sailing club on a reservoir in Cardiff. And I just had the best summers and evenings after school down there, just learning to sail and and having a great time with all the the other kids.
1: Wow, from the age of seven, that is amazing to kind of find your passion. As a cyclist, I've come to it quite late in life. And I think, yeah, knowing when you're that young, being aware of that is amazing. So you started sailing seven, this reservoir in Cardiff, like outside of Cardiff or in Cardiff. How did you then get into competitive sailing? How did it work? Were you kind of, I guess, were people looking at you saying there's talent here or was it you pushing to move forward and kind of hone your skills?
0: I think, well, I mean, I loved sailing, just going out on the water and messing about and then very quickly realized you could race boats and I was like oh my <laughs> God, this is what I want to do it's so fun and so I was definitely pushing to, to the racing and, and learning that side of the sport but I was lucky that there was quite a clear pathway I think for a young person within the UK to kind of progress through you know the Welsh national squad and then mm. the British national squad and then how to kind of get onto the Olympic pathway it was quite mapped out for someone that wasn't into the sport and didn't know about the sport. So that definitely made it feel very possible, I think, from my side and my family's side. Hmm. At what point did you decide the Olympics is the goal? (laughs) Well, I remember watching the Atlanta Games in '96 when i was eight years old and just being blown away by the whole thing and i was like i want to go to the olympics at that point i didn't care what in i just wanted to go and and be a part of this amazing sporting event and then um at the age of 11 i was at a sailing event an optimist uh, which is a little single-handed boat a bit like a bathtub um (laughs) that you learn to sail in here in the uk and, and most most places around the world have optimists and um we were at an event and Ben Ainsley came along, who's the most successful male Olympic sailor of all time. And he won a silver medal at the Atlanta Games. And he did this sort of Q&A. And I was just like, oh, my God, sailing's in the Olympics. I didn't know sailing was in the Olympics. So mm. I was like, oh, my God. So that was me. I was like, I want to go to the Olympics and I want to do it in the sport of sailing. So, yeah, 11. And Ben's now your teammate, right? Yeah. Yeah. has yeah. <laughs> been a funny old um, sort of career. Full circle. Pod. Yeah, full circle yeah. To, to that moment. <laughs> and my first Olympics at London 2012 being Ben's last Olympics. And then now sailing on the G P team with him. Um, yeah, it's been, yeah, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
2: that's amazing. And I mean, even like when you decide to go to the Olympics, there are different types of sailing competitions. There's just not one like... <laughs> You just don't go like, okay, I'm going to sail in the Olympics, but there are different categories and you specialize in the women's 470
0: class, which is a particular type of sailboat. Why that particular class? Well, for me, I was never particularly tall. And so sailing a single-handed boat, actually, when I was getting older, I just, I wasn't big enough and I actually really enjoyed sailing with somebody else. Like Mm -hmm. it was just so fun sort of Between the age of 15 and 18, I had the best time standing with a really good friend and competing on a kind of global stage. And yeah, I loved that team dynamic, but also my size wasn't, I wasn't big enough. So the 470 was always kind of the obvious path for me to progress and and try and get to the Olympics in that boat because it just suited my size.
2: Mm -hmm. And as with any sport, especially at that level, you're not only training your body, but you are training your mind equally. So what does the physical and mental training for you look like especially before such prestigious events like the world championships or the olympics
0: yes it's really intense i mean the the physical stuff is kind of the whole way throughout the olympic cycle is is really really important and then for me like that last six to eight months before the olympic games like the mental side of it and just that mental I guess, full, full, full commitment to what it is you're trying to do like day in, day out, like every second you're kind of thinking and breathing the Olympic games and what it's going to be like and going through, you know, as much visualization and and lots of different mental skills. Like you're still doing that in the Olympic cycle, but I always had a switch of the 1st of January, the Olympic year was like, this is it. Because I just found I couldn't sustain that level of kind of I guess, personal sacrifice in a way um, Mm. to something for longer than that kind of six to eight month build up the Olympic year. So
1: you don't just don't specialize in the 470 class. I mean, you dominate it. (laughs) I'm doing like a little Google search, Hannah Mills, look up your Wikipedia entry. It's like the hardware is listed down the right and it's like scroll, (laughs) scroll, scroll. You've got so many accolades to your name, which is amazing. I think some of the main ones, you're world champ in the 420 class as well. You're a two-time world champ in the 470 class and numerous other medals as well, not just gold, which you won in 2020, 2012, sorry, in 2019. You won silver with Saskia Clark in the 2012 Olympics and then gold in the same event in the 2016 Olympics in Rio. And then again, another gold. <laughs> In the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. Wow. If you had to pick just one
0: of oh, <laughs> those are questions
1: yeah, <laughs> which one would be the most memorable and why? That's really hard. Um, that really, really we like hard. putting our guests on the spot.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh, the most memorable. I mean, uh, probably Rio for the first gold. I think. Yeah. Just like the relief felt when we managed to achieve that was just unreal after after the silver in in london and being really quite disappointed and, and pretty gutted and and you know questioning all sorts of things and you just never know if you're going to get that chance again to go for a gold medal and mm. so get that chance and then deliver was yeah it was amazing
1: the gold. what was it like standing on the podium yeah it's just the best feeling in the world
0: like it's so surreal it's so surreal you just stood there. You get given the medal and then you get the national anthem played. And that's, you know, that's what I watched when I was eight of the Atlanta games. And that's what I kind of was inspired by that moment of you've achieved something that very few people have managed to do. And you've done it for your country and yourself and your family and your friends and everyone that supported you. And yeah, it's like just so many emotions. It's so emotional. Yeah, it's incredible.
2: Wow. You mentioned uh, relief, which... I don't compete at an elite level at all. But I've realized that after every competition, before I'm elated or excited or before I realize that I've actually finished or accomplished a goal, relief is the first thing that I feel (laughs)
0: like
2: it's done, it's over, I've managed. But also coming back to that, is there a best before date in sailing? Because you also mentioned that uh, you didn't know whether you would ever achieve gold again and, or, you know, whether you could get to the podium in Olympics. So, is that the case in
0: sailing? It's actually a quite an amazing sport in many ways, in that you, you can kind of be an Olympic sailor or professional sailor for, for much longer than the many other sports, I would say, at the highest level. It's a very experience-based sport, I would I would say as well, and so you know you really do learn and improve all the time as you get older. And the physicality side, it's you know it can be very physical, but but you can do it to a reasonably old, <laughs> inadverted commas, age. So I think for me, it's very very hard to qualify for the Olympic Games, mm-hmm. um, coming from a country like the UK because we have so much depth in our sailing. You know we have so many amazing sailors. Um, and you only get one spot per class. And so just to qualify, you have to be top three, top five in the world. And so it was kind of, will we, will I ever qualify? Will I get this chance again? Like, I didn't know if Saskia was going to retire after London, my, my teammate. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of kind of uncertainty and unnervingness, I guess, around what was next and, and yeah, what the future was going to be. And you mentioned your
2: teammates, because this is a team sport, which relies then on a lot of trust between you two, collaboration, a lot of communication. How do you build that with your crew member? Like, How do you create it and then how do you build on it as you work through the seasons and work through those goals?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's such a huge part of any team sport, for sure, um, is is that culture and team and the values and, and all of those things. And definitely it comes through shared experiences and wins and losses. Like I all, I've always said we've learned, well, I've learned so much more from the losses than from the wins. Um, mm. So the shared experiences and the journey is is definitely a huge part of it, but it's making sure that you're both of the right mindset that you can take the lessons as you go and you can have those really open, honest conversations about performance. You know, you take the ego out of it and you make sure you have the right environment to sit down and really discuss the nitty gritty, I guess, Mm -hmm. of of what you're trying to achieve. And I think if you can always bring it back to the goal, like we're trying to win an Olympic gold medal here, it's, it's not easy. And actually we're in a team and we're trying to do this together. And actually everything we're saying is about performance. It's not a personal attack on an individual. It's mm.
2: just
0: gonna be the best and that is hard. So those types of conversations are, are critical. And I think also in terms of the longevity, like Olympics held for 12, 14 years at the, the highest level. And I think just the embrace, embracing and, and bringing change is good. It keeps it fresh. It keeps the motivation high, like challenging yourself in different ways, I think is really important if you're trying to do anything over a sustained period of time. Mm.
2: You mentioned shared experiences. Do you remember any telling moment where that was reinforced in
0: competition or even in training for that matter between you and your teammate? Yeah, there's I mean loads, absolutely loads. I'd say the first time I jumped in the boat with Saskia it was 18 months out from, from the London Olympic Games. So it was really quite late, actually, in terms of that whole Olympic cycle and, and trying to, trying to get there. So we knew we were late and I, I was inexperienced. I'd never been to a Games before and Saskia had been to the Beijing Olympics. And so for me, it was this huge opportunity to sail with her. And I remember we, we were sailing out of Parma, um, Mallorca. And we went out and it was quite windy and quite big waves. And you get out of the marina and the kind of waves are breaking almost as you go out. So it's quite sketchy to get out. (laughs) And I just got washed out of the boat by a wave. This was literally the first time we'd sailed together. I just got washed out of the boat. And I remember just watching Sass like dart from side to side trying to... Keep this boat upright and stop sort of anything further happening. Because, you know, if, if we capsized, the boat flipped over, you can end up washed up on the beach and all sorts. So, yeah. And I just remember watching her going, Wow, she's amazing. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> she's never going to want to get back in the boat with me again. <laughs> such a lemon. You know, and did. there you are. And <laughs> yeah, here we are, exactly. So, yeah, that's just one random example. We had another at the Rio 2016 Olympics. It was the first race and it was really windy. And big, big waves. And, um, and we capsized on the final leg. Basically, we were winning the race and we, and we capsized. And, you know, it was just such a tiny lapse in concentration, just getting distracted by another boat. And, you know, part of our sail hit, hit a wave and that was it. We went over and, and just those moments where you kind of just have to look at each other and g- grin and bear it, you know, you get mm. the boat out, finish the race. We came in sixth and it was like right onto the next race. And, because of everything we'd gone through with the London cycle and then that Rio cycle, that's the only reason we could actually do that and, and not, you know, fall apart in any way or have a mental kind of block or, or any of that. You know, we just got on and, and we won the next race and that was it. So those shared experiences for sure just that's how you're able to perform when the pressure's really, really high.
1: Yeah. You gave us a quick overview of Sale GP earlier, but I wanna continue on the team. The theme of team, SailGP, first of all, has fantastic content. You can watch the yeah. the races live streamed, which is really, really exciting and just really drives home how exciting it must be in person as well, seeing this on YouTube. But what I've noticed when I was looking at some of the races, you're all moving around in like this really delicate kind of dance, <laughs> you and your teammates. But to the point you were talking about capsizing earlier, like it looks, I wouldn't say dangerous, but you know, it's certainly high adrenaline and you all seem to just know exactly what you're doing and have that trust with one another. What are some of the team roles on the boat? And what's your role? You're a strategist,
0: correct? Yeah. So, so, so GP, we have six people on the boat and everyone has a very specific role they're playing to make the boat get around the race course in the best mm-hmm. way possible. And so there's obviously the driver, so there's the person steering and, and driving the boat around the racetrack. My role is the strategist, so I stand behind the driver and I'm basically feeding information in. To the driver about the other boats on the race course, where the next marks are, where the wind is, you know how how we're looking. Just trying to build the picture so they can make the best decisions possible. Mm-hmm. And then you have a couple of other roles that are really physical at the front of the, the boat. They're they're doing what's called grinding, so they're turning this pedestal with their arms, and that's pulling the huge wing sail, which is the big sail on the boat, in and out. And so you have the guy who's trimming that. And then finally, the final role is the flight controller who is literally flying the boat. And he's got like this little, it's almost like a Game Boy or PlayStation type controller. And so he's flying that, you know, it is dangerous hundred percent. You definitely, you know, every day we go out, no one underestimates that it is dangerous. These boats are going incredibly fast speeds. We're on an incredibly tight race course with, you know, nine other boats on the track. Mm -hmm the boats are huge 50 foot long and probably 30 foot wide so yeah it's it's you know it's high tariff high speed high adrenaline but we're it's the best sailors in the world putting putting these boats through their paces so yeah i I honestly like it's mind-blowing to see these boats up close they're they're huge they're fast and the racing is right by the shore so it's not you know like traditional sailing you think of oh they're out to sea off having a lovely race we are yeah, we are literally right there. And the start and the finish line is generally where the grandstand is. So it's, yeah, it's pretty, um pretty exciting to watch.
1: Yeah. It looks like these rolling starts too. It's like, wow, <laughs> like everyone's kind of racing towards, you know, it's not like it's kind of from the get go. It's just, boom, you're into it. What excites what? you most about this form of sailing? Cause it seems like it's quite obviously there's synergies and similarities but it's also very quite different and as you mentioned you know the speed and the capability of these boats is just amazing so what excites you the most
0: um oh gosh what excites me the most i think i think just the product i think is amazing i think for a sports fan it's it's just unbelievably cool it's really really exciting intense close racing and we get to go to some of the most amazing places in the world to race so that's very very cool it kind of feels like the formula one of sailing you mm. know it's just mega and so to be a part of that and you know it's it's pretty new we're only in season four and so to be a part of that from almost the beginning is yeah it's really cool
2: just on that there are lots of sports at the moment that are transforming the way they've been played or they've been approached, new formats for new audiences. So take cricket, for example, with the T20, it's fast. Golf, again, live those new formats. Is that what GP is then in terms of like bringing in a new, younger, youthful audience, getting them excited about sailing?
0: I would say so for sure. Yeah. Like the races, are yeah, as I said, like 10, 14 minutes long, we do three races a day back to back pretty much. So it's short, it's intense. So yeah, I, I think that's definitely what people want. And so yeah, that's, that's what GP is. And I think, yeah, it's, it's doing a pretty amazing job of bringing sailing to a whole new audience. And hopefully for me, you know, inspiring people to, to give it a go because just coming back to kind of sailing as a sport and why I started it, Like I don't think there's many other sports that give a young person the types of skills that, that sailing or, or water sports can do with, you know, the confidence, resilience, being out of your comfort zone, in the elements, in control of a boat from such a young age. I think those types of skills are amazing for young people.
2: You joined the Emirates Great Britain team in 2020, and you were the first female sailor on the team. This was also when SailGP introduced its Women's Pathway program to promote inclusion and inspire change and bring in more female participation into the sport. Why do you think this is so important as a step, even from SailGP?
0: Oh, for me, I just think sailing is one of those sports and there's not that many where men and women can compete together on an equal footing and physicality in, in a lot of the roles on the boat in SailGP isn't, isn't a barrier. So it's to me, it's the perfect platform to showcase gender equity and to push for gender equity. The reason I guess it wasn't done from the outset is because these types of boats, so these big foiling fast boats, are fairly new. They came into circulation kind of around 2013 for the America's Cup back then. And they were all sailed by men at that point. And so there's, there was just this big experience and opportunity gap of kind of 10 years or so. And so we're kind of playing catch up. And so the women's pathway program was about starting that journey of, of catch up and, and getting the opportunity um, and pathway for female athletes to get on these boats and to start learning some of the different roles. Because it's it's really not like, you know, me going around sailing my optimist. It's very, it's very different. It's very specific skills to each of the roles that you really need to have time learning. So. Yeah, to to start the Women's Pathway program and kind of be in the British team and get chosen for the British team from the start was was mega for me and definitely looking to to push that forward and to get hopefully work towards gender equity on on all of the teams in the future.
2: Great Britain, the team itself also has a pathway program now. In fact, last year you were supporting the team through that pathway program from the shorelines. So this is obviously, like you mentioned, a very important cause for you. What are you seeing in terms of like, obviously, these pathways have been developed to get more women into the sport. But what are you seeing in terms of interest, enthusiasm, calibre from young people to join?
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's been amazing. Like I speak to any young person that's either a sailor or just enjoys watching sailing and they all speak about SailGP. And they all speak actually for the young people about the Inspire program, which SailGP has, which is such a cool initiative. And it's all about inspiring the next generation. So at every SailGP event, and if you come down to Dubai, you'll see them out on the water. We have young people apply to come and race boats called a WASP, which are single-handed small foiling boats. Those boats and then, and then some other sort of slightly easier boats to sail as well they have to kind of get people in and, and enjoying the sport. So yeah, every event, that's a huge part of it, is the Inspire programme. And the kids get out and race and they come and see all the team base setups and come and meet a lot of the team members and the sailors. And so it's been really, really cool. And to see some of those sailors then transition to actually getting on the F-50, which is the CERGP race boat and, you know, having a go or becoming part of the team full time. So you can kind of really see that career path almost Mm. working, which is pretty amazing.
1: I love all these new formats with sports because it opens it up, you know, like we said to a new audience, but also gets people really, really excited and young people really, really excited about this form because I think for me, I was never exposed to sailing, Mm -hmm. but I love nature. And that's why I love mountain biking is that I'm outside in nature and it just feels like wonderful. And then competing is even just the cherry on top for that. So you returned to sailing, you returned to the team this year. I think you had your first win as part of the team in Saint-Tropez. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, we did. Felt like a long time coming, but we mm-hmm. finally got the win. So that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, sorry, I, I kind of swerved the question almost. I joined the team actually after the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, which right. ended up taking place in 2021. But then pretty quickly, actually after one event, I was pregnant with uh, my baby Sienna. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I feel very fortunate in a way that I f- fell pregnant as an athlete at a time, I guess, where things were moving on, particularly in our sport and within SailGP in terms Mm. of what open arms, you know, it was, you know, I went and told our our skipper and CEO, Ben Ainsley, you know, I'm pregnant, but I'd love to, stay involved and support the team and it was just like what do you need like how can we help and so I still came to all of the events until I was you know didn't feel like I was capable and I'd go on the water and and support the coaching team with feedback and, and trying to help the team in that way and then GP has so many sustainability and purpose initiatives that the league does but then also all the teams do and, and um, that's you know one of my huge passions and so I did a lot of work for the team around that as well and so it was kind of Okay, Hannah's pregnant. She still offers us mm. so many things. Like, how can we utilize that and make it possible? And so we did. And and then yeah, I had I had Sienna in October 2022, and rejoined the team as as a sailor in in January this year, which was yeah pretty nerve wracking to say the least. But, yeah, yeah, amazing. Such a, a cool thing to be able to do and, and to bring Sienna along.
1: I think that's so important, and it's such a statement. I think as well as someone who's had friends in just office jobs saying, oh, I'm worried. I'm interviewing, but I'm worried because I'm pregnant. Do I tell them, you know, to know that the team embraced you and worked with you is just it's needed. And I hope everyone listening, (laughs) you know, who is in sport kind of takes note of that. And this is the way it should be. So it's absolutely wonderful. Your next race coming up, though, is in Dubai. So two races in the UAE back to back, not back to back a month gap between. But you have Dubai in December 9th and 10th, and I think Abu Dhabi is a little over a month later. You've raced here before. Do the UAE wins usually blow in your favor? Tell us what we can expect.
0: <laughs> well, I actually missed the Dubai event last year because I just had ah. Seattle. So I, I didn't get to go, but the team made the final. So they made the top three and then... Yeah, unfortunately had a boat handling error where they, they mm. fell off the foil. So the boat crashed into the water and they got oh. overtaken right at the finish line. Oh. So that was pretty gut-wrenching. But yeah, they had a, they had an amazing performance up until then in, in Dubai. So I think that's a definite favorite venue currently for the team to get back there and try and rectify that final mistake. And Abu Dhabi, I've I've raced in Abu Dhabi in the 470 actually a few years ago now, but um I loved it. Yeah, it was such mm. a cool place and we were it was an amazing event actually. We we sailed in the morning and then we'd get to go and explore Abu Dhabi and do lots of incredible activities. Honestly probably the best sailing event I've ever been to <laughs> we never get to do stuff like that. So yeah, really looking forward to going back to Abu Dhabi as well.
1: Yeah, on that, um, it's funny you say that because I used to work with the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix uh, F1, and I know Abu Dhabi was a really favorite stop for a lot of the F1 teams as well. So I think it's testament to everyone out there. It's really fun in the UAE. <laughs> so <laughs> you should come check out Sale GP in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Definitely, definitely
2: you mentioned that GP has these programs in place that kind of used some of your skills and also kind of kept you going when you couldn't actually sail. And to that end, you're a very strong advocate for their environment program. And also just in general, you've been doing a lot of work around that in your career, and it's played a very crucial role. You're also the sustainability ambassador for the International Olympic Committee and you launched the big plastic pledge in 2019. Can you tell us a little bit about that initiative and what you've seen in terms of an awareness around climate change and how that's changing since the launch of the initiative?
0: Yeah, well, I guess for me, my journey with all things climate change and in particular initially plastics was was sort of ignited during the Rio Olympic cycle, and just witnessing how bad the plastic pollution was in in certain places, and and yeah, it was just heartbreaking as a sailor and someone who loves being out on the ocean to kind of see it in such a, a bad state in different places. Just inspired me to want to try and do something about it. And I really felt like if I go for a Tokyo gold medal or just go for the Tokyo Olympics, I want to use that platform to really try and create some awareness around this huge global issue. And so. Yeah, that that Olympic cycle, I built out the Big Plastic Pledge as a campaign. It was all about individuals taking actions in their everyday lives to reduce single-use plastic. Because at that point, I really felt like we have control over single-use plastic in in many respects. Not always, but in a lot of life choices, you can cut back a lot on single-use plastic usage. So it felt something I could commit to as an athlete and, and really do. Um, And I thought, actually, if I can do it, then hopefully I can get lots of other people to do it. And the International Olympic Committee loved what I was doing and, and so got talking with them. And so they backed it and supported it. And that's when I became an International Olympic Committee Sustainability Ambassador. And, yeah, we launched the big plastic pledge in the end in 2019. And we were doing loads of work around the Olympic Games and trying to engage some of the Olympic sponsors around how they can reduce single-use plastic at the Games and athletes around what they can do and have lots of quite cool projects going. And unfortunately, COVID came along and and actually with COVID, I think we really regressed when it came to Mm -hmm. single-use plastic just because of the nature of of the pandemic and and cleanliness and and all of that type of thing. So that was a, a bit of a shame in that respect. But I guess for me, plastic was kind of my gateway, I guess, to sustainability as a whole and and the climate crisis. And so I, through that journey, was learning more and more about the challenges we're facing when it comes to the climate crisis. And and so on the back of Tokyo, launched um, an organization called Athletes of the World, which was co-founded with a fellow athlete, Melissa Wilson. And we basically both felt really strongly that you know, Tokyo and the IOC and everyone had just put on an Olympic Games in the Mm -hmm. midst of a pandemic and sort of the most challenging of circumstances. And That type of, I guess, can-do attitude and and will to make things happen when it seems really hard and what Olympians, I guess, do day in, day out. That's the sort of attitude we need when it comes to the climate crisis from our leaders and of, of government, states, businesses, et cetera. And so, yeah, we thought let's capitalize on the Tokyo Olympics and try and engage athletes from there to make a video to inspire the leaders at COP26, which was taking place in Glasgow. So Athletes of the World was launched. We did an amazing video with over 50 global athletes a lot of them flag bearers or gold medalists from the Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics and then the organization athletes of the world was then all around educating athletes on the climate crisis so that they can use their platform to be advocates and to speak to sponsors or their sport organizations or whoever it is to yeah to try and make change basically and bringing it back to Sale GP we get a lot of
2: press material from Sale GP and something in the press material said podium for the planet competition, yes. which is a part of the event. Can you yeah. give us a lowdown on what that is? Because that obviously ties into your passion for the
0: environment. It does. And actually that's one of the reasons that I wanted to do SoGP because I was finishing Tokyo. I was kind of thinking I'm going to retire from Olympic sailing. I'm going to go into sustainability and sports and, and work in that field. And then GP came along And the opportunity, obviously, to continue my athletic career was great. But equally, it was like, actually, everything they do is around purpose and impact. And that, for me, was like, this is the perfect job. And so when you talk about the podium for the planet, that's one of the most innovative, amazing initiatives I think any sports organization has ever done. And it's the Impact League. And the Impact League is basically pitting... The teams against each other in a podium for the planet so not racing on the water at all it's all about sustainability and climate change and using your voice for good but also changing the way you do things as a team and so you get scored in different criteria whether it's reducing your waste how you've traveled to the event reducing energy consumption all about reducing as a team but then it's also all about working with your charitable partner. So every team has a charitable partner our team is the 1851 trust which is an education charity and it's all about working with your charitable partner to create cool projects to basically use your voice as a sports team to make impact in whatever kind of area it is that your your team's passionate about and then at the end of the season there's there's this amazing trophy and podium for the planet and um yeah it's it's become almost if not more competitive in many ways than the race on the water i think once you get competitive people in any kind of competition it definitely uh, ignites quite a lot of innovation and and yeah competition
2: yeah, yeah and if it's for a good cause why
1: not
0: yeah exactly yeah it's it's been amazing Yeah. It's been so lovely
1: to chat with you today. We're really, I'm really excited personally. I know Afshan is as well to check out sale GP when you're here. We can't let you go yet though. We've got a couple more questions. And one of it is what it means to you to be honored by the order of the British empire, because we haven't really touched on that earlier amongst all your other accolades.
0: Yeah. it's, uh, It's another like really surreal thing actually to get an OBE. Yeah. It's, it's it's just one of those things because you don't sort of do your sport and try and do all these things for something like that. Like, it's mm. just almost a, an amazing bonus that comes kind of out of the blue that you get a letter and you're like, oh, my goodness, that's pretty crazy. And for me, like, I think it's just um, – it is just really nice honour, I guess, to be recognised in whatever field you've done. And, and I actually think, you know, as sports people – we get recognized so much in many ways because we get medals for stuff that we've done or trophies or whatever. And, and so actually it's, for me, other industries and people getting recognized. I think that's, that's really powerful.
2: It's been a Hall of Fame career for you already. And all of this doesn't obviously come without a lot of grit. Would you say that's innate for you or something that you've had to develop
0: over the years? Oh, that's a good question. I, I, think it's, I think it definitely is innate for sure. I think I was always very determined growing up and I always felt like, I remember sailing the Optimist, that first boat I talked about, and you'd always race against the boys. And I didn't understand why there was a first female prize. I was just like, why? I want to beat everybody. You know, I I didn't see the barrier as to why I shouldn't. And often I luckily did manage to beat everybody. But I think I look back and I think, yeah, I was so, so gritty and determined. But then I feel a bit like it almost got knocked out of me as I kind of grew up just by life and society and just sort of, yeah, I think every, yeah, everyone experiences it in different ways. And you kind of get told as a female or girl at times, like being loud and confident and all these things isn't a good thing. And, and so I look back and I'm quite disappointed in myself almost that I let that, i guess infiltrate who i was and and i've then had to work on bringing it back to the level that i feel is is a good is who i want to be and so yeah it's funny when you look back i guess at yourself and the changes and how things have affected you and and stuff so yeah it's an interesting question
1: i think a lot of young i think Definitely, like I can relate to that. I think as young people, we kind of go out into the world really optimistic. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah, people start to tell you you can't do stuff. But I know speaking to you and seeing you achieve the most amazing things and now a Sale GP that. I hopefully, young young women and young people be inspired to not let those kind of things uh, affect them moving forward. We've had such a wonderful chat. I'm, like I said, again super excited, adrenaline. Like I can't wait to to check out the event when it's in Dubai. Before we go, is there anything else you'd like to share about sailing? Any advice? Any anything we didn't cover um, about GP or yourself that you'd like to share with our audience?
0: I mean, I don't I don't think so. I'd just say to any young person that you really can achieve things that just seem impossible and just surround yourself with the people that believe in you and what you're trying to do and and don't let other people in because you don't need it (laughs) life's too short for that so yeah just um, embrace every opportunity that comes your way say yes to things that you think you can't do because you probably can and if you can't then you'll learn from it anyway so yeah just embrace everything that's it. <laughs> hey Hannah, thank you. That was an absolute
2: pleasure. Good luck for the rest of the season, and like Don said, we're absolutely looking forward to seeing you in uh, in Dubai and Abu Dhabi soon. Yeah,
0: thanks guys. It's been great meeting you both. Can't wait yeah. to meet you in person. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Thank so, thanks so much. Thank you
1: so much for listening today.
2: We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, we ask that you please share it with family, teammates, friends
1: and even Frenemies, or share via social media. Please also leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Five stars only.
2: And visit us on the themetalset.com for more stories and resources.
1: Thanks again for listening.
2: Your support means the world to us. This is The Metal Set.